0: it is the 17th of June 2014 and this is the audio podcast episode 119
1: ongoing summer beats yes that was Scott here I'm Samuel Freeman Adam Yantis here as well and the audio podcast this week has a review we have some some news other and plunder so full in terms of content
2: indeed we are and um, the the many ways you can uh, listen or watch The Audio Podcast. These include YouTube, uh, G-Podder, iTunes, Stitcher, something, something. And uh, you can also get in contact with us via Twitter. That's at The Audio Podcast. And you can also um, email show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk. And um, there are also some notes. And Scott will tell you about the notes right now.
0: Uh, you can find the notes for the show at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 119, where you can find all the show, all the, all the the notes from previous shows. You can find the news that will be in next week's show, and all of the random things the audio podcast has done are all documented on there for your enjoyment in your own time. How about that? Very uh, good. So if you're enjoying the show notes, um, here's an item you will have already seen, but back in show 99 that was January the 13th 2014 we talked about a an, a product announcement which was um, from IK Multimedia which was about their I-Rings. now as a, as as people who as as a group we've all done lots of things with um, extended interfaces and things like this and experimental interfaces and at the time we we had a bit of a, a an argument about whether this was something people wanted or whether we thought it would be any good or whether we'd, any of us would like it or be tempted to ever use it and uh, IK Multimedia contacted us and sent us upset. So Adams had a um, had had a, had had some to play with, and as a consequence, he has his thoughts regarding the IK Multimedia iRing.
2: Indeed. So let me begin. Uh, yeah, so I got sent basically like a production version of the whole system. So hold on, I'm going to show you the box. So look, that's the. Outside the box for you youtube listeners, I mean it's basically like a kind of almost c d shaped box with that's about you know an inch and a bit thick uh, and it's all very nicely packaged. You get some paperwork and you get the eye rings in the box and so what the eye rings are they're not technically rings because if I show you the camera here, you can see that they're actually kind of uh, T-shaped, but they slip in in between your fingers and they're plastic. Um, One side has got three dots in the line, and the other side has got three dots in a kind of triangle. Um, And you get two of them with each box. So you can kind of do this. You have one design on one side, and one design on the other side. And you can get, uh, as I understand it, I've got the grey ones, but you can also get them in green and white. I don't know, maybe IK Multimedia will release uh, more colors and that kind of thing. Um, So the way it works is it actually integrates through an iOS device. So here's my iPad. I don't know, you'll see just a reflection of my thing. You won't be able to see the the app itself. But if you go to the IK Multimedia iRing site, you'll see uh, pictures of the whole thing. You get an app called iRing fx controller which is the main app and that basically uses the camera in the device to pick up the two different design patterns so uh, it it can pick up both at the same time it can pick up the the two different three dotted patterns on the rings, and then you can convert those to different uh, either controllers or you can actually route audio into the app and out of the app using audio bus uh so yeah I mean that's kind of the the basic setup you you can also download another free app which is called iRing Music Maker which is like a cut down sequencing app um I would I would say that that app isn't particularly useful in a creative way but it kind of shows you how to use the the system um have you guys got any questions so far so I've I've got the
0: first one just leaps at me immediately, which is just to say, does it does it work? Does it d- does it track the does it track them properly? Because having been involved in experimental interfaces for a long time, I've I can't tell you how many times somebody has told me they have something which does what you've just described. It's cost hundreds of pounds, and it doesn't work in the slightest.
2: Well, okay, I can fill you in right now. And say that once the system is set up, it works fine, and it does it does track both at the same time, um, and it's got a really cool thing. So not just you could, it doesn't just track x and y positions, but it also tracks uh, z as well. So how close you get and how far away you get, so you can use that as a controller as well. And um, when you're setting up, say you're mapping different things to MIDI, you can either say, okay, map X and Y or Z, or you can do gestures. So one of the gestures they show in the demo videos is to do that, to rotate the hand, and it can actually tell you've done that, and that can trigger something. So that's like an on-off type thing. In a couple of the IK Multimedia videos on YouTube that are showing this, they use that to change the bank. Or the sound you're controlling, or something like that. Um, and the other thing to notice: you said you know these things can cost hundreds of pounds. These iRings are very cheap. Uh, a box of these costs ten pound, uh, twenty pounds to get these. The iRing FX controller app and the iRing Music Maker app are free. Though to use them, you have to have an IK Multimedia account and log into the account through the app. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so, you know, you get quite a decent kind of set of control. It's perhaps a little jumpy, um, a bit laggy. And the other thing is, if you set up, say you're using Audiobus and some other apps with there, um, you always have to have the iRing app uh, as the main front app, which is kind of obvious, really, um, to to get the rings to work. The problem there is that means that you probably have to jump back and forward between apps quite a lot. So if you're used to that through your normal uh, iPad workflow, then there shouldn't be any problem. Um, Sam, did, did you have a question?
1: I know. Um, so were you able to get this control in software on your computer um, through MIDI? I didn't try this myself,
2: but it is possible because it sends MIDI and then you can set up the wireless MIDI connection to your DAW. So, in fact, I think that's probably the most useful potential use for this system. Uh, Because in a way it's it's nice because it kind of separates, you don't have to touch anything really. You can just leave it set up there on the side and then when you want to use it, you can just put on the rings and go, doo, 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 and mm-hmm. it should broadcast over to the DAW. Um,
0: and is that just just? I just want to clarify that. It, and that's just MIDI data. That it's it's just MIDI. It's sending across. So you could. It, it's not hard tied into any DAW or any environment. You could just have these have the iRing host app on the kind of iPad or whatever, transmitting the control data to any other. System that you have set up to receive the MIDI data, and then it could just work with it as it wanted to. Uh,
2: that's right. It's it, inside the app um, uh, as it stands. So when when you get the free app, what you what you get as as part of that package is um, the ability to set up MIDI commands to transmit either within the iPad or iPhone or outside via wireless MIDI to whatever will pick it up. You also get one effect so if i tap that there uh, yes so you get a filter effect like a low pass filter uh, which is an audio effect, effect and you can get a, a, a set of well there's probably a good 20 other effects there or maybe 16 other effects there but you have to pay for those so you tap on them and then you can in app purchase those so you know things like a delay a phaser a reverb that kind of thing. So... so, you could
1: use it as part of a modular setup if you had lots of little synths or something connected together. You could have the audio going in, controlling the effects with the iRing, and then audio out into the chain. Is that is that what you mean by an audio effect?
2: Uh, the audio effects in the iRing FX controller app, uh, you have to route the out, say, you route the out of your core gadget into the iRing FX controller app, and the effect is applied there, and then you bus it out to
1: somewhere else. Okay, so you'll uh, need audio bus.
2: Uh, yes, you do need audio bus. The other thing is that there's an iRing SDK, and I look. I went online to find out more about it, and it, I was like, "What is it for? What is an, an SDK for?" And mm-hmm. I could basically infer that it's a, it's for audio app makers to put iRing compatibility directly in their apps.
1: Oh, so that you'd be able to control an app without having to have the without having to swap apps, like you were saying, to get the camera input. Yeah,
2: yeah but that, that that requires the third party app maker to build it into their app. So yeah. and it I couldn't find a page that explicitly said that's what it's for, but that's the only conclusion I can come to. Um so,
0: so that's yeah. that that's that's quite an interesting contribution they're perhaps making, isn't it? Because so so many of these systems have always been I've always been hobbled in a way by the kind of primitive l- lack of convention regarding the thing they're following. It's always been like it follows your hand or your finger, and that just in reality ends up just being a blob, and then it tries to track your blob around. But here, by saying here is actually here, here are two designed objects, and obviously, if the three dots in the shape in the in the kind of prescribed shapes, you can. It's easy that there's you know there's a there's a background that you can perceive the dots on and as a consequence it's fairly easy to track them if the lighting's at the right sort of level, yeah. And consequently now that those things exist it's really easy to say and you can do all these things you can you know here, here's the gestures here's the perceivable gestures you can see here's the resolution of the interface that's available for the SDK and now if you want to you could offer anybody using your app if they have eye rings they could just go. You know they they could press a button and now it turns on the web it turns on the camera and suddenly you can start to use that in, use that interface in that sort of way,
2: yeah, yeah, so um as a kind of idea, it's really nice now, I had some problems with this, and I'll preface this with um the with the fact that I'm not an iPad musician, I'm not someone who makes music on an iPad. I've got some apps there um but I make music on my computer, so the kind of a lot of the hopes you have to 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 go through to get a to get the app the system working in the first place and then to get it to kind of interconnect with other apps is fussy, shall we say um n- not very easy uh, easy to implement, and the instructions that you get i have to say were kind of woeful. I mean you get this you get a nice little paper um instruction manual um no that's that's just a little brochure for other IK multimedia stuff but yeah I mean it basically shows you stuff like this like this is how it kind of works but it doesn't specifically tell you how to get it working can you just show
0: am I right in thinking that was a picture of how to wave your hands in front of an iPad
2: yes it was <laughs> okay. um, and then, I just want so, to make sure
0: I hadn't missed any subtlety of that picture. That was all.
2: This is x x is left and right, and yep. y is up and down. Um, so yeah, I mean that's kind of useless in its way. I went online to try and find uh, more information. They don't. You have to log in to get the manual, and even the manual doesn't like. I was trying to discover my way to it working, which is a very important part of iOS stuff, usually you should be able to just pick it up by using the app. I couldn't get it to work at all before um, I logged in, and then I couldn't get it to work until I'd set the appropriate audio bus uh, input and output, um, and then it was starting to play ball. So one thing to note is you have to, as far as I can, I could attain ascertain, You have to buy Audio Bus to get this to work. I don't know if I couldn't get it to work through InterApp Audio. I don't know how much other stuff uses that. And then to kind of use it as part of a system within the iPad, you also need to have other iPad apps that will work with Audio Bus and InterApp MIDI on the device. So £20 is fine, but expect. That if you don't have these other things, you're going to have to buy them. And, you know, audio buses isn't expensive, but if you want to play with, you know, it makes sense to have it working with Gadget or Loopy or whatever app, so you have to factor the price of those things in. Um, and
0: so I'm, I'm, I'm saying you, you said that you had a kind of particular way of working which is interesting. For me, this product strikes me as being most interesting as a way of getting, the, having the control interface, being able to have the you know the visual things the non the, the non physical interface in terms of t- touching sort of stuff is is that a concern as well I'm saying would I would 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 I need to install audio bus as well to be able to run it even in that context of just pushing midi data across or would you
2: uh, I couldn't quite figure that one out because I was running audio bus and then I was having trouble with the midi but then that was because the it just wasn't playing ball with the sunrise synth and then when I set it to work with the gadget it did work Um, but that already had the audio set up so you might if you're just using it as a controller you might not need the audio bus but it's still um, it's still a bit of a you have to labour to get it kind of set up properly Um, and then in the end I suppose it's overall usefulness will be down to if that method of working uh, appeals to you, so if 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 you're one who'd be like, actually, I, I could see using this system as a really interesting way of transcending physical controls or touching the screen, then twenty pounds is not a big outlay for that. But if if you've got a pretty defined way of working. The novelty factor—it—it it, it doesn't instantly hit you because it doesn't work straight away. You have to set it up a bit, and then it's whether you're—you know—whether you'd actually have this thing next to you and you'd actually use it, or whether it would just kind of sit there and you'd—you'd you'd end up never using it. So, uh, so from my perspective as a music maker, I probably wouldn't find this very useful. But I don't want to put people off because it does work and it does provide what well, i'd say is probably quite a unique way of interacting with whatever you want to connect it to so yeah i suppose and, that's and a, I guess a in, good way to summarize it
0: yeah and, and in, a, in an ios environment there aren't as many obvious choices in terms of extension interfaces available and things like that so it's, it makes it
2: good. well i wonder if getting it if any other apps? I mean, I, I would assume that IK Multimedia music-making apps will uh, have the SDK integrated and will just be able, you'd just be able to use these straight away. Yeah. I don't know what the uptake is because it's not quite the same as Audiobus, which is, you know, that's an SDK, effectively, but it's so useful that you'd be crazy not to put it into your pro audio app. This is a bit more niche and... There'll be some people who will be like, "Okay, let's put that in if it's worth it." You know, if it's easy to do. There are no instructions on, uh, no publicly available instructions on the SDK on how you use it, how it implements. So uh, you have to go through a bit of pain. I think if iK Media opened that side of it up a bit, made it a bit more approachable, people would be more interested in putting it in their app. But I don't know. So I suppose that's kind of it. I mean, you know, us lot, us three, this probably isn't our cup of tea in the end. I, I We we like... wouldn't use it so much.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it would be a great addition to someone who's already working with the iPad in inter audio controlling stuff. It's a great way of adding to that setup, whereas if you wanted to get into that, this isn't the place to start. Yeah, so...
2: and also... If if you're a Max MSP type person or need an interface, a thing to turn something into MIDI, something, you know, where you wave your hand over the screen into MIDI, pump it into Max or into Super Collider or into something really flexible like that, again, this is a pretty cheap way to do that. I I was thinking
0: um that for somebody you may be working on maybe a an iPhone or an iPad mini or something, a device of that sort then this this is probably a really great option because the more obvious choice is something like a a twenty five key keyboard or something you know like a, a MIDI keyboard or something like that isn't it? But then it's like i have my I have my device, which is this sort of size, and I have my controller, which is you know huge, this massive box, and that's really not you know that defies the point what's the point in having the small device if you're going to have the huge controller so it's yeah, but this is
2: one you know. test I did do with the MIDI on this. Was generating note data, and the problem with with it is that unless you set up a very complex uh, X Y and gesture scheme, just moving your hand across the screen just plays notes in a scale. So it, you can't really you you don't make music like that. You don't do it in scales. You you make melodies. So um, as a, I think it's probably the note side of things, you wouldn't use these at all because. It's not very good at that. It's more useful for continuous controllers, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, setting up a, a modulation wheel or pitch bend or any of your CC numbers that you need, because then you get continuous uh, control like that. And then you can do on and offs by doing this or by doing a punch. A punch is a uh, one of the gestures that you can set up in there as well
0: because i it it strikes me as being an ideal for any sort of um effects kind of gesture that you wanted to play in play into kind of control data that already existed or as transformations that you wanted to do if you wanted to fade something in you wanted to fade something out, you wanted a filter sweep or perhaps you wanted to do the filter sweep and then fade it out you know those kind of multiple gestures at once mm-hmm. that's i mean it strikes me that that's this is the kind of interface that really leads itself to to that sort of use in in a way that requires. Programmatic work beforehand, but once you've done it, you it's like now I have this gesture ready to go that I can use in performance as, as I want yeah. to use. Yeah,
2: and there are presets in there, so you can set up your. Uh, <coughs> sorry, uh, you can set up the different shapes to do different things, and then you can switch between the presets to say, okay, this time I want you to, I want X to to change MIDI controller forty two or something like that. So... Adam, can
1: you can you share those presets? So if if someone were to set up a complicated configuration of these controllers, could you then could that preset be shared between users? That's a very good question. Uh, I can't see
2: a way of doing it um, on here, but they I don't think they're too. You could probably take a picture of a screenshot and just say just implement that. But mm. um... well,
1: maybe that's something that they should add. I think that because it can take it can take time to program all that kind of stuff in, especially to get you know, subtle but intricate variations that's not a lot you know, a lot of people just want to use the that, whereas
2: Well, like, as the as so. the app has to be logged in for you to use it, it's obvious that you could, the, the presets could just be synchronized with your IK Multimedia account and then when they're up there then you could share them that way being able to share within the app would be good, but I I suppose, how would you do it? I suppose you could do it by email or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be a good way to for someone to develop the presets and then be able to get them to other places and save them and archive them as well, which is, you know, a significant thing.
1: That's true.
2: But yeah, I suppose that's kind of it, really. Um, it's it's I'd say it's fairly niche, but it could be super useful to... People playing in that niche, um, I I couldn't recommend it to any person who uses music technology. But it's so cheap that you could just say, oh, you know, twenty pounds, yeah, let's give it a try. Let's see what it can do.
0: I think you're a, a great review, Adam. I think that that gave gave us a real, a real, really solid insight into in, in into how the product was, and I, I think that's been really that's been really useful. I think. I I think perhaps you I, we we talked about it a little bit before before the show but I think perhaps as a as a group and we we, we all suffer slightly from this kind of jaded eye jaded feel towards these technologies which was we all had a play with the kind of pre alpha prototypes that didn't work a decade ago yeah. and at that point you you could see enough to kind of have a feel for what you could do I'm thinking here of systems that used ultrasonics or some were camera based a lot were kind of pressure based or radio receiver based these kind of technologies and they were they they always worked badly enough that you could kind of get a feel for what could be possible, but they never worked well enough that you would ever dare do ever dare do it in a high risk environment so yeah, it was you know what i mean and and i I think perhaps the issue that i'm feeling here, and I think maybe it's what you're getting is that the, the subtlety of how to use these technologies is yet to be established because perhaps this is the first tranche of the actual it works and it's affordable.
2: I would for, say...
0: That you could now start to pound on it with some really great innovative ideas. And I suspect that this actually, while, while I agree right now with your perception it's a niche product, I suspect that if you have a play with this, if you if you go and have a play with with these, I suspect a large number of people will play with them and find that they think they're great
2: actually well yeah i I would say that it's true, I think because we come from a fairly experimental music tech background, you know we've had that we've gone through that phase of being like, "Oh wow, you can actually use your physical movements to control stuff, so that's not surprising or amazing to us, but it could be amazing to someone who hadn't really thought of it. I think what the iRings rings do is they take a step towards because those technologies were always hard to set up and you, you really had to know what you were doing. These eye rings take a step towards it being more approachable and user-friendly, but they're not there yet. I think IK Multimedia need to develop the uh, approachability of these things to work better with the IOS way of thinking. Uh, make it less, you have to log in less or you can just have an app that you start up with that allows you to do something straight away. And you don't have to have your audio bus connection set up or set up a MIDI connection with your computer because those are advanced things which people will use them for. But if you want to just get people interested straight away, really simple novelty app that um, is a bit more interesting than the Music Maker app, which I kind of didn't talk about, but it wasn't particularly... I didn't really find it very engaging as a... As a first experience. Cool. Otherwise, they've done a great job to kind of go there. And so, yeah. Sam,
1: do you have any final thoughts or are you uh, has your satisfaction been met? I'm satisfied. So my final thought is on the um, synthesizing some of the things that have been said that perhaps the lack of detailed software setup instructions is because this is going to be a transforming environment. The hardware side of it is created and established, whereas, how to get it working is going to change as iOS develops and as audiobus develops and as apps do or do not adopt it. So, so I think a bit of leeway towards them on that. There's not much they could have printed. You know, they've printed a million of these things and if they would have put software instructions, they'd be out of date in months. A,
2: a, a good web page or a, a good way to find the web page because to be honest, I only figured out the audiobus stuff by watching a video that they made on, on YouTube, which is a good video to watch. It's how to integrate... Um, I ring FX the app with gadget and Loopy HD via audio bus, but I would have no idea it, that you'd need to set it up that way in order for it to work. So, um, just a like a landing page you can go to that's like, okay, online. These are some instructions to get you going. We can change them as the as the platform develops. Um, you don't need you just have to put like one link in in there. Yeah. And then you're you're fine. I s that was the main problem I had is I got frustrated by not being able to figure it out myself. Cool.
0: cool. Thank you very much, Adam.
2: No problem.
0: And uh, thank thank you very much to IK like, hey, Multimedia for sending us a set of irings rings to have a play with, that sounds like yeah. It's right. nice to hear that Adam got frustrated, That that's, that's yeah. confusing for
2: me. Did we ever find out if, uh, I mean, do they want them back, or can we use them as part of a uh, an audio podcast prize or something? I, I don't I, know.
0: I, I don't know either. We, we should establish that, actually. We will find out.
2: So possibly some new audio podcast sections to be made at some point in the future. We could link it with the quiz, maybe.
1: <laughs> let's let's get on to the news guys let's, 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 let's get on to the news. news ok so first up in the news this week is native instruments have 50% off sale on um, most if not all of their products, lots of products um, upgrades and cross grades are all available at 50% off until the end of June <laughs> awesome. yep, that, that
0: is correct uh, You can remember you can follow our show notes at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 119 and there's a little tip you might want to uh, you, m- you might want to check out the website between shows because there's a lot of special offers and promotions running right now. And if a promotion doesn't get announced until we've recorded until after we've recorded the show, and it doesn't and it won't be still current when we record the show, it will never be mentioned in the show. So, but it may be on the notes, yep. But it will um, be on the notes. So there was a there was a Cycling 74 and an Ableton Live promotion running for over the weekend, which you may not have known anything about. We won't say anything about it, so as not to disappoint anybody anymore, but it's worth just keeping a little eye on it, just to
1: just find <laughs> Facebook things. Facebook might be a good way of doing that. Most of the show notes get mirrored onto the Facebook page, the audio podcast. News item number two is oh, Steinberg. Please, just please,
2: you go, go there, I just I've been looking down here and it's especially important this is a good one if you're wanting to like upgrade to like com- uh, Complete 9 Ultimate or some of the big bundles that cost a lot of money because you'll get a, a big discount on some of these, I think.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Cool. Steinberg have announced version 8.5 of WaveLab.
1: Very good. That's um <laughs> Windows
0: and Mac these days, isn't it? In- indeed so. um cool, cool features, you can do real-time comparisons of different codexes and if you want to you can export export to multiple file formats at once.
2: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, okay. um now we can move on to some really core audio podcast terrain, which is headphones, but not Beats headphones. This time we've got some AKGs to talk about, which is good because I like AKG headphones. Hmm, me too.
1: Um these are these are very brightly colored headphones. Aren't they? <laughs> That seems to be what they're going on here as much as anything. And they fold up nicely, which is a nice kind of portability thing. Um, the, It's the Y series is what we're talking about. They are designed to inspire music lovers,
0: provides listeners with an escape to channel their innovation.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if AKG's normal blurb writer was on holiday uh, that day uh, and they just had to have, like, you know, the guy who makes the tea Write the blurb for that one, uh, but you, you gotta say, these look good. They come in three different models uh, you've got Y50s, Y45s, and Y40s. If you go to the link in the notes, you'll see the Y40s, uh, and they all are slightly different specs. Uh, I mean, let's have a look. We've got, I guess, they're all kind of closed earcut types.
0: I, these... I couldn't tell the difference between, I couldn't. I couldn't find anywhere a clear statement what the difference between a Y40 and a Y50 was. But the Y45 is a Bluetooth one with eight hours of battery life. And I thought something that was really cool, a NFC to actually do the connection as well. So a near field to actually do the link up between the two parts. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh,
2: I I don't think iOS does NFC, does it? But um, Android does it. Android does, yeah. Um, I think maybe the Y40s are just smaller... Ear cups, smaller earpieces, slightly different colour design. The the band is is coloured rather than the ear cup being coloured. Um, if you go to the link in the notes, you see the the difference in designs. And uh, you know they start at seventy pounds and go up to a hundred and ten pounds depending on which model uh, you want. Those are coming soon. Do we do, do we have an idea of? What date they might be out, Scott? It, it's June this.
0: It's June this year, so <gasps>
2: oh, it's so close. Should They're be right now, it's really. Fantastic.
0: And I think it was like a couple. Of, it was last week that I got the I got the email. This headphones have become a bit of an audio podcast uh, kind of obsession recently, which is kind of fun. And the much rumored audio podcast headphone special will obviously arrive at some point in the distant future. <laughs> but, um...
2: The vapeware. Audio where, the, the, the Vaporware
0: Audio Podcast Headphone Special. But um, I I do feel that we are, I I do think that when we come to the end of this season, which I guess will be at some point in the, at some point in the in the in the future, um, and we we have our summer break, I suspect we may, when we return back from the summer holiday, have to, ha, have to admit that we can no longer just do random consumer electronic headphones because it's just getting a bit silly, really, isn't it? Because
1: well, I think th- these ones are bright colors as well. I guess that. that seems well, to that's, my... this is Literally. clearly like the the whole atta- the whole Beats thing has must have had an impact on this because AKG have been making great headphones for a long time, but it's no longer good enough just to make great headphones. You have to kind of appeal to the fact that these are kind of fas- these these are things that you wear. Therefore, they're kind of they oh, have I, to I, be cool I, in some way or something. It's. Yeah. I think know... it's even
0: worse than that, Sam. I, I think making great headphones is a complete waste of your time. It's. Uh... They, they they don't they don't need to sound good. They, it's entirely looks orientated right now. If you're wanting to sell a million of them, it's it's all about looks.
2: It Guys, does. I've I've got it. Okay, headphones with little wings that stick out, and what they actually do is when you walk along, they kind of uh, raise you up. They're like little aerodynamic devices that take weight off your feet, so that you're not as uncomfortable when you're walking around. Yeah, audio podcast yeah. innovation. There we go.
0: Um,
1: let's move on. <laughs> there we go. Back to IK Multimedia. Um, IK go. Multimedia uh, have announced or released the iRig Blue Board. So this is a stompbox board for controlling your, I think, iRig setup. Keep is reading, that... Sam.
0: Keep reading on. Keep reading. I that
1: was that was all off the top of my head. I'm now looking and saying, what actually is it? That's my guess. Is it what it is. It's no, no, no. Keep control. reading. Reading the notes. Read the notes. Read the... On the on the website, you yeah. fill me. In. Go on, I'm not going to get that now.
2: Oh, okay. The developers manual and license agreement is free to get. No, that's not that's not. Soon.
0: So, IK Multimedia released the the blue the iRig Blue Board a while ago, which is a which is a board which has buttons that you can press. Which okay, is so that's that's it... hardware. That's hardware, yes. But the 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 latest announcement is the fact that there is a developers manual available now to aid developers integrating. The iRig Blueboard with iOS, which I suspect is was the product that Adam had made men, was making mention of the lack of existence of for the iRings.
2: <laughs> uh, okay, like, yeah,
0: <laughs> I, well, I thought the Blueboard's pretty cool though. I'm saying it's a Bluetooth. It's it's like a box with buttons that connects via Bluetooth. Like that's
2: this is the one thing. thing... During my iRing, playing with iRing, and I was typing in iRing into Google and stuff, and iRig came up a lot. And I I was like, ah, you know, Google autocomplete. And so I had to always go in and add the N because these two products are different, but their names are almost the same.
0: Anyway, the the <laughs> I, that wasn't to say that wasn't useful either. I'm sorry, um, but the the iRig Blueboard developers manual is available free of charge, but you do have to contact um, iK Multimedia by email. The emails on the on the in the show notes, because you, there is a license agreement that you have to have to agree to as well to receive the manual. But there you
1: go. Sure. This is we obviously we didn't we must have um, not noticed this when it was new because this is the first time we've talked about it, and it's quite a good. It's, now I'm reading about it, it's a great product, actually, because it's not just an iOS controller, it's using Bluetooth and it can control to a Mac as well, um, not Windows, unfortunately. But And it's extendable, you can plug um, foot controllers into it, just your standard expression controller appears to jack in, so I think this is a great it's little thing.
2: It's a kind of very specific MIDI interface, almost. It's, yeah, yeah
1: it's, it's a foot controller,
2: it's, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, that's the end of the news, guys. We,
0: we've made it to the end of the news, which means that it's time for the other section and for a, a remarkable event in the annuals of the audio podcasts. Something we said we would do this week, <laughs> last week, is actually going to happen.
1: Yes! Okay. okay. Um, well, this is continuing the mini series of um, audio podcast setup. And how we podcast. So for this, um, I'm going to switch cameras. This little handheld USB delete, so I can show you what is going on. So
2: Whoa, we're going into an all new place in the audio podcast.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, we can talk about the room I'm in, which is a um a windowless cupboard, which measures um 80 centimeters by 120 centimeters. Um, so <laughs> nice, cozy, and is um, acoustically treated with thick blankets on the wall, which um, is a very cheap but actually effective way of sorting things out. Okay, let's stop making people sick on the video camera and show my audio interface. Or perhaps we should start with the microphone. Let's start with the microphone. Um, This is a condenser microphone, pencil type, cardioid pickup. I have no idea who it's made for. (laughs) It's got absolutely no markings to suggest the manufacturer at all. Um, a friend once suggested that maybe whoever made this was actually ripping off someone's design and didn't want to get in trouble with that. I don't know. But it's it's a very versatile microphone um, which I currently have connected into. Let the camera steady. This Behringer Zenix Q502 USB interface. Um, I got this quite recently actually. I wanted something that would work standalone without the USB. So if you unplug the USB, it still works as an analog mixer, but it has two in, two out through the USB. So that's, that's going through there. And so that gives phantom power for the microphone. And it's also got a um, kind of single knob compressor thing, bit much like the small Yamaha desks do. Um, But yep. so I'm running that through there, a little bit of compression. And if I were, if I did want to put other audio in, I could through here. But for the output, I am using just the laptop's built-in headphone output. So if there was to be a problem with the USB audio, I could switch to... I wouldn't lose monitoring in the ears. That's pretty much it for the audio podcast setup currently. I mean, I've had lots of different setups in the past. Um, using different audio interfaces, different preamps, different microphones, but this is my portable, pretty much, setup that I could set up anywhere, as long as the microphone stand wherever I go. So, yeah. Easy. Cool. Tight. Simpler than Scott's setup.
2: All Scott's right. Is like the... No, 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 Scott, yours is like the ultimate redundant podcast setup where, you know, if the only thing that would stop you podcasting was a plane crashing into your house or something like that.
0: Or hitting the BT cable that connects my house to the internet.
2: Yes. (laughs) But even then, I'm sure you'd have like, oh, I've got like 20 gigabytes of mobile data, so I'll just connect it by my phone or something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So next week, we'll uh, I'll I'll cover my setup next week and we'll complete the series. How about that? Another audio podcast promise? Will it come true?
0: Find out next week.
2: (laughs) Oh, uh, but before then, before next week's continuation and completion of the audio podcast tech mini-series, we've got the (laughs) plunder! The first of which is a uh, report from The Verge on a Kickstarter campaign that has allowed Richard D. James's 94 album, uh, which actually I don't know the name of, uh, to be uh, released and is now available for free listening on YouTube. Um, Richard D. James, of course, being another name for Aphex Twin. But this album was actually made under a different name, it was made under
1: the name Caustic Window. Cool, cool. Ninety-four was a good year for albums, so I have high hopes for this. I might have a listen. I think there was there was a lot of good music released in
2: nineteen ninety-four. Just
1: such as, such as. No, I'm no, I don't want to let let. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold back on that. Actually. No, no, this, this like... is a great great question. I'm curious now. What what was released in ninety-four? Well, this kind of shows like the dark side of my nineties pop love that I grew up. With. Um, <laughs> That's okay. But we've got things like I think Terror Vision's "How to Make Friends and Influence People" was That's is a great album. Um, Blur's "Parklife." Life. Um, also, yeah, of course. Yes, also great. I've, it's Didn't
2: been I so long. Oasis
1: album. Yes, was so it great? who knows? I don't. If, uh, it's what? been so long since I used to have a um, playlist of you know, in Spotify of um, '90s albums. Whenever I was browsing, I'd put any album into this enormous playlist. that I'd hit shuffle on. But I noticed that a lot of the good ones came up as 94, which is how,
2: yeah. And also, interestingly, some... linked to Aphex Twin, of course, the style of Aphex Twin, o released Amber in 94, November 94, and that's one of my favourites of o actually, because before they went all crazy and mad, and did all this crazy Mac stuff, which is a certain, you know, I'm not saying it's bad, it's just a different type of thing. Amber's a bit more straight up intelligent techno type stuff and it's actually quite uh, minimalist as well. Uh, I recommend if you haven't if you haven't heard Amber by Oteko, that was released in the same year um, go for it. There's loads of stuff uh,
0: and Anything by Culture Beat All for Love by Brian Adams, Rod Stewart and Sting. I'm reading sing- I'm reading the single chart now from 94 <laughs> oh,
1: <yeah. laughs> This is fantastic uh, uh... Uh ace of bass? Oh I had to check. I was it's the yeah, sorry, there was one I was double checking, but it was ninety five, so I don't matter. Is that
0: five? <laughs> hey, I've got a great question for you here. and just finding the answer for myself. Uh oh, no, that's not very Cotton Eye Joe by Rednecks. How about that? I'd gonna <laughs> that out for that week. Oh,
2: <laughs> we have never mentioned that on the audio podcast before. Power Ranger's the official single. Oh. This
0: is because this is pre See, there's a group of people who say that the Christmas number one was destroyed by Simon Cowell and, you know, kind of um, those programs like in yeah, well, yeah, whatever they're called. But a lot of people forget that long before Simon Cowell destroyed the Christmas number one, celebrities and inflatable characters had done it <laughs> long beforehand. That's fantastic stuff. Anyway, there we go. I thought that's cool. This should be a new game. What year, what year were these songs in the top ten? This could be a great game. This is nice list. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. When we talk about things that you could listen to, my, my item of plunder here was, um, I, I came across this a, a while ago, and it's kind of interesting, um, so it might be of interest to people as well, but the American Library of Congress maintains a national jukebox. Which is a collection of historical recordings that they keep a record of. So this is stuff that dates back to records and before, and can be. Um...
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's stuff, so that be. dates back to to records and before, you know, records and before, and radio, radio kind of broadcasts and things like this. And there's lots of news and sports in there, but also kind of, you know, kind of musical performances as well. So it's quite a.
2: Does it have a random? Play a random thing or select a random. That would be really good.
0: No, it just has a. It, it just gives you a list of all of the things it has, and you can just go and have a look through them, have a listen through them.
1: So, so m- m- they have more than ten thousand seventy eight on their
2: thing. That were and are, are, these, are these now out of copyright, so they're public domain.
0: Um. You're certainly allowed to, you can certainly listen to them. I'm not sure what the licensing in terms of reuse is or isn't, and I suspect that the vagrancies of international and national law will probably start to complicate that factor as well.
2: Yes, I mean, that's a a phrase that uh, has been uttered many times in many different situations regarding law. Yes. Basically, law complicates everything.
0: Well... (laughs) the point i was trying to, the point i'm trying to put across is that even if the americans believe that you could uh sample this material and use it in your own works there's a good chance that it might not be the case or well, they think... might just
2: have the license to to put
1: them up for listening rather than yeah. reuse from what i've just um, been able to get in the past few seconds it's not there's no one licensing for the whole collection, individual items have as much information as possible about what their copyright status is. I thought this was cool.
0: I I thought this was a really, really great um a, a really great idea. It was um We you know, we we've obviously made it to the end of the plunder, so I don't mind just laboring a point that is only slightly related to the audio podcast as our non hardcore <laughs> listeners will have given up a long time before this. But um <laughs> Yeah, you know, and if you're still listening, you're in the hardcore. But you knew you were there anyway. Um, but it, 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 this is all part of like you know that grand futurist pro- promise of the kind of like '50s and the '60s where every book in the world was all you you would be able to go and like search for any book in the world and read any book in the world and like the free flow of knowledge would be really you know really free and exciting. And people like Microsoft have tried this and given up, and Google have been in court and running won a case last week that.
2: That kind was, that, that's kind of important case, but that's a very specific thing, though, isn't yeah. it? But
0: that but that allows them to continue digitizing books. And when I see projects like this, I just think it's really you know this is really great, isn't it? Like the idea that you could go back and listen to these key that these key you know key events and non key events and just illustrative examples of thoughts and ideas and opinions and things like this are going to be available in a way that you can access them and find them and use them. It's really I think they're really, that's a really great idea, and I was really encouraged. when I, I found this a while ago, and I thought it was really great, and it only dawned on me today to plunder it, but yep. I think it's a great thing, and,
1: you know, it long and continue. I've mentioned, I think, I think it was in relation to the quiz that answer was Alan Blumline, and linked through that to the British Library's audio collections, which have a lot of the original Blumline mm. experiments with stereo audio, and, yeah, so, yeah, these collections... In terms of national collections, are on both sides of the Atlantic. I wonder where else has them. Yeah. That's cool. There we go. I, I think we should call it. We should we should bring
0: ourselves to the the conclusion of this show. So, so there you go. It the, the, this has been the audio podcast show one one nine. How about that? Um, yeah. ongoing summer beats. Apparently was was the title selected for this one here. Don't forget if you have any complaints, feel free to email them to us. Um, if you have nice things to say, feel free to email them as well. Facebook, yeah. G Plus, Twitter, all those things are great. They're if email you enjoy the show, for feel complaint. free to subscribe. We um we do our best to record the show on a Tuesday, but we don't always achieve it. And even when we do achieve it on a Tuesday, our time is quite kind of wobbles a lot. So the easiest way to definitely get the show is just to hit subscribe on whatever your preferred method is and it will automatically arrive to you when we are when, when it's done, so you don't have to worry about ever missing an episode, which I know is a grave concern of Adam's.
2: Thank well, you. yes, and if you ever uh, the email from for complaints to the show is we are not going to read any of these emails at theaudiopodcast.co.uk. <laughs> excellent,
0: stuff. excellent. Stuff. There we go. I've been Scott This has been. A, I've had a great show. Thank you very much. I've been Samuel Freeman.
2: I'll be back next week. week and I'll be Adam Yanch, and and I am Adam Yanch, and I will be back
1: next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye.